This is On Target, a look at politics, crime, education, what's happening in Newfoundland and Labrador with the people who know. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your On Target host, Linda Swain. Good afternoon. Welcome to the program. Richard Duggan filling in for Linda Swain today. Uh, Linda is taking a much-deserved week off. And on today's edition of the program, we're going to focus on all things Labrador. We have a couple of guests lined up for today, but... To kick off the program, we have Belinda Adams on the line. She is the mayor of Labrador City up in Labrador West. Belinda, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Thanks for the invite. Well, thank you very much for coming on the program. And I guess just to start off, uh, busy summer in Labrador West. How are things looking now heading uh, into, I guess, the final weeks of summer? Things have been excellent. It's been a rough summer uh, weather-wise for us. Uh, unlike the rest of the province, we weren't blessed with so much good weather. But we uh, this summer, just this weekend past, we uh, did the Iron Fest. It's the first for Labrador City to host this. Very proud of our community for the residents. For our title sponsors, Iron Company Canada, and a few more. Uh, pulled this off. Thought it could never be done. We had a new rec director come with a vision. Wanted to pull it together. Uh, we had the Sam Roberts Band, the Navigators, some local talent. Uh, Dave McHugh went over extremely well and to see the positive energy that came into the community this past weekend uh, we actually got a sunny day which was amazing so uh, pulled it together see the, the uh, positive energy in the in the fields with everybody moving around chatting not seeing people for two years with COVID and getting some sunshine there's a sign of things to come it's been talked about for years we said, let's do it. The worst case scenario, you cancel. So we're all about growth and development. This new council was elected nine years ago, nine months ago, sorry. Nine months ago, are energetic on making some new changes and uh, bring up some new new uh, venues and things for uh, growth and development of uh, Labrador City and the people of Labrador West. So it was very exciting, very well run, very well done. Volunteers was amazing. So, so we're pretty excited about it. So we're going to continue that now with the community. Uh, we are getting some good weather again this week, so... The regatta, same thing this year. Two weeks ago, we had the annual regatta, Labrador West. It was the 50th anniversary of the annual regatta. But again, it was um, slighted a little bit by the weather, and COVID held it back for a couple of years. So it was low on participation for that event. But uh, we're going to work hard next year to get that, those numbers up again and get people out and involved. So our goal is to keep that moving, keep that energy, and keep it focused on uh, bringing everybody in the community. As everyone knows, to get a community to be healthy, in our opinion, you got to take care of your seniors, your youth, and your vulnerable, and we're going to continue to focus on that in Labrador City. And I was just about to say, a lot of activity going on in Labrador City, and you just mentioned a couple of the events. I mean, after two years of a pandemic and things being locked down, how great was it for you to see that activity return to the city? Oh, it was simply amazing. And, and to be honest with you, Iron Fist, like I said, came as a vision from a, a team member and uh uh, signed off obviously by our town and uh, willing to go but when you get to the field and you see the people and you see the smiles and everybody commenting on how great it was how well organized it was you realize that you, that you the team had done something very well so it, it became very exciting and to be honest with you to get up on that stage and even welcome everybody there and look at over that crowd it was just it was humbling to see so many people that were enjoying it and the work that had gotten into it by our community and our volunteers and corporate sponsors and uh, local sponsors so it was it was amazing it's, it's amazing to see and it, it, 
I think it's a pivotal point in our community, to be honest, that's going to turn the tides for us and say, okay, we're back to the positive. People are starting to feel it again after a long couple of years. So we're back to getting positive and uh, seeing that energy. So we're just going to keep that momentum going. Hopefully we're going to keep moving forward and keep bringing things uh, uh, to the community. We really need to focus uh, some of our energies on our youth and seniors as well to get back to the community. So, yeah, we'll just keep that momentum going, hopefully. I'd see it as a turning point to uh, hopefully – make the swing that we're not past COVID. I think it'll always be there, but uh, we're going to keep it moving so that we can get everybody back out and engaged in the community. And uh, from a leadership perspective, that's what we'll do as a council. We'll be actively engaged in our community and to keep this going. And speaking of some positive news for the community, I understand that uh, Labrador City recently won the most active community challenge for Newfoundland and Labrador. Uh, what, what does that mean for the community? Yes, that was another excellent bit of news. So, again, we, we've, we've had such a great summer despite the weather. Uh, so we did the participation app, and uh, uh, our special events quarter, Evelyn Ryan, deserves all the credit for uh, introducing us to that and getting us active in the community. So we had a whole bunch of uh, activities on the go from mass walks. You could uh, walk your dog. You could do some house cleaning, and you entered in the app. And we actually recorded the most the, uh, logged the most uh, time spent and we also um on the app had the most organizations involved and we so there were three and we also had the uh the most um people on the app so the participation app so in the province so it was really good came out on top uh it was pretty exciting you know again it was a motivational thing that our special events coordinator got out started pushing us all ourselves included as council we were in a bit of a rub as well so she actually got us out of our seats as well and again from that uh, people are talking again about the engagement of that piece that got them out moving. So now they're going to continue that and continue the walking around the trails and continue going. It was that little little push that we all needed, and uh, we're all guilty of it. But uh, sometimes it takes uh, takes a community to pull it together to see that uh, we can be better and and help each other out, and we'll we'll be better together. Speaking of that positive activity in the community, um, are you seeing many? Uh, are you seeing an increase in tourist activity uh, this summer as well? Are many people returning to Lab City? Yeah, I think the numbers are probably on, are probably on fire. The other thing we're doing uh, this uh, falls, we're hosting the chamber here is open, hosting uh, the Minex uh, here in September. So that'll be a great event as well to bring in a few more new faces. But I think it's up, and, and the whole idea even of this. Uh, this arm fest, you know, is to potentially bring some uh, tourists to the area in the next coven years. I think uh, we've proven this weekend that we can do hard things and we'll continue to do hard things to improve. And I think you'll see the numbers rise in, in uh, ticket sales and things next year based on what we do. But I think we'll get more tourists as we go, for sure. And, you know, hats off. We, we finally, after all these years, got the Translabrador Highway page. And that's huge for us to come come that way, to link to Newfoundland and get people to see it. And uh, I, I will boast a little. I drive that highway quite often to go to Newfoundland. And uh, I, I traveled a lot in Newfoundland the last couple of years in COVID. And I can honestly say I will boast that Labrador Highway right now from uh, from Lab City, I can speak to Lance, Lance Clare, is one of the best in the province, if not the best highway in the province. It's straight. It's good. It's wonderful. People need to travel. It's a beautiful scenery. And uh, well done and hats off to the people who pulled that off. May it took some time, but let's be grateful we got it.
Switching topics a little bit now, I know uh, everyone these days are talking about the rising cost of living and how uh, you know inflation has impacted the prices of everything from fuel to food. Um, what sort of impacts is the town seeing from that? And especially given the fact that I know up in, in Labrador, uh, there are a bit more expensive prices than what we would see here on the island. So how is the town faring with that? And are, are you seeing many complications? Yeah, I guess everyone is feeling the pain from that right across the province, right across Canada for the most part. But uh, we, we are coping. Uh, we, you know, like everybody, we want to see it drop. But uh, everybody's feeling the impact, businesses and such. And uh, we are seeing the price of things go up. Uh, we live in a remote community. And, uh, you know, e- even from advertisements, we see sometimes it says a little more in Labrador. And unfortunately for us, that's what we're seeing. We always see a little more in Labrador. So it has impacted a few businesses. We see a few things few things on the rise but uh, people are managing and being creative on on uh, helping each other so overall it's been good but it's not a welcome to have any any of those prices increase but we'll get through it how does that impact say the town's budgeting going forward i mean i know that uh, in other uh, municipalities that i've spoken to in recent months you know they're it started off as kind of, you know, they're seeing where this is going to go, but now as you're getting closer to when you'd have to start thinking about the budgeting process, you know, you're looking at how can you crunch those numbers to make it work. Uh, what's the city see- or what's the town seeing there? Yeah, we're, we're going to have to do the same. Uh, if you look at uh, just absolutely the run of the town in general, it's a cost effective. But the other piece of it is if you look from a bidding process on our capital project, our operational budget, both have an impact if we see that. So we're going to have to adjust our budgets significantly to make that change as well come the fall. Uh, if you look at even pavement and, you know, the, you think about the cost to do paving around town and the streets we had planned to do in capital, when you when you budget for that last November you, and December, you had no anticipation that uh, it was going to go so high. So we do have to... Uh, um, adjust our budgets as we go and we're going to have to dig deep and work hard to uh, to get that balance to make sure we're still doing the right things for the community. Belinda Adams, we're just about up uh, against the clock now and up against a break, but any final thoughts about how things are going in uh, Labrador City uh, now in the for, for the rest of the summer and into the fall? Any final thoughts? Final thoughts for me is we have a beautiful community in Lab City. Um, Great community, great residents. We're very fortunate up here. We, uh, you know, we have a lot of things happening here. The thing for this council now is going to the next budget, going to, uh, to a new year for 2023. It's a new council. Learned a lot in this eight, nine months. It's been a lot. It's been a bit overwhelming at times, but, but it's been a positive experience. So the thing now going into is to continue with growth and development. We need people to understand that. We need sustainable plans in Labrador uh, City and Labrador West for sustainability to keep this community beautiful, but also grow it. So. Yeah, that's where we're to. We need to keep going, keep going forward, and uh, look for sustainable growth. We need to get some uh, some pressure on a few people with uh, housing. We're, we're struggling up here with our housing. It's a bit of a housing crisis up here now, but if we can free up some land and get some development, uh, that would be amazing. So we got to put some hard focus on that and uh, get to it. Belinda Adams, Mayor of Labrador City. Thank you so much for your time today on the program. Really appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. And again, that was Belinda Adams, mayor of Labrador City. We're up against our first break of the day, but we will continue this conversation when we come back. Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at 1 on your VOCM. Welcome back to the show. Richard Duggan filling in for Linda Swain on today's edition of On Target. And on today's program, we're looking at all things Labrador. And right now... 
On the line is the MHA for the Torngat Mountains. That is Leela Evans, the NDP MHA for the Torngat Mountains, I should say. Leela, welcome to the show. Yes, thank you for having me on. No, really appreciate you taking the time to come on the program today and uh, highlight some of the issues up in Labrador. And I guess one of the first things that I wanted to ask about is a bit of news that came out yesterday from the provincial government. Uh, they came out with the decision not to rename Colonial Building, uh, citing public feedback via Engage NL. That's uh, 69% of people preferring to keep the status quo with that name. Uh, what, what, what's your take on that decision? Well, first off, you know, I was a little bit taken back by uh, listening to Minister Crocker talk about the engagement and the consultation with Indigenous groups because I think if anyone took the time now to, to reach out to Nunatsivut government and uh, ask them what they thought of the consultation, uh, I think uh, Nunatsivut would actually tell a different story. Uh, there was very little consultation, um, you know, so it's almost like taking false credit. It's almost like, okay, we can check that box now because this is what we've done. And then they're, they're, they're playing it up into something larger than what it was. Um, you know, I, I don't really think there was proper engagement with Indigenous people. Um, and, and also for me, I, I was... I was kind of dreading the decision that was going to come out of this, really, um, because I, I've seen a history now of where, you know, things are done on a, on a superficial level, uh, you know. Um, like, say, for example, uh, the apology from the federal government for the residential schools. You know, that came and went, but really there's been very little done to help the Inu and the Inuit that were were seriously seriously impacted by residential schools, and we can look past the generations. Uh, also, serious harm done to the to, to the Inu and the Inuit in my district through the forced relocation of the northern communities of um, Hebron, Okak, and Nutak. I mean, I think that apology came in 2005. But really, when you look at all the things that has happened since then, all the, the colonial policies that, 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 that came after that's harmed, like the removal of the freight boat from the island because they said the Trans-Labrador Highway was nearing completion. Not a single community in the North Coast, the Inuit, Inuit are connected to that Trans-Labrador Highway, but yet we are paying astronomical prices for food. Like So these are colonial policies that are not a thing of the past. That's you know, it's like the total disregard for, for people. So I was kind of dreading, you know, what was going to come out of it because, I, I you know, deep, deep in my heart, I wanted that name to come off the building and get past colonialism. But yet I was thinking what I know now is this is just going to be a get-out-of-jail-free card for the government to say, oh, you know, we did our part now. We know we did reconciliation. But they they haven't. And for me... As an MHA, I, you know, and I, I know people get kind of, sometimes people may get tired of me saying this, but it's hard because emotionally I look at the harm done, you know, and I, I look at families who are in trouble, or I look at people who are struggling, and, you know, they even have quality of life. And I can take my finger and look back at Trudor history, and I go back, and they've been harmed by these policies. So, you know, I, I think I think with the Inu and Inuit of my district, we would lost anyway. And, you know, I, I was thinking this morning about doing this interview, and, 
And one thing I thought is, I, I don't need to see the name on that colonial bu- building to be reminded of the true and really the brutal harm colonialism has done to the Indigenous people, not only of my district, but the entire province. And, and, and the government has to be held accountable for just saying empty words. People have to start saying, what about real action? And people are starting to say that across Canada. But when you, when you look at, like, the history of colonialism, you know, as, as part of reconciliation, one of the things they're doing, and it's a quick fix in their mind, uh, they're erecting, like, say, for example, beautiful statues of the Beothic, the First Nations people that were on the island. But the Beothic people were wiped out by these colonial policies. Where are the Beothic? They can't look at the statues of themselves. They're gone. And if these policies continue, the Innu and the Inuit are going to be gone too, you know. And, and I know that the Mi'kmaq, you know, are fighting to reclaim their culture and, 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 and their history because uh, of, of all the past harms that basically separated them from, from their history and their people. And, and when you look in at my district, the poorest district in the province, and we, we didn't get there. You know, in the last 10 years, it was a systemic, systemic prejudice that underlying government policies. That's all right. That's just the, you know, the you know, and the Inuit. And before those words were put in place to show respect towards the indigenous people of Labrador, they were called Indians and Eskimos, right? And and people hear me all the time talking about food insecurity because. The ability to eat, the ability to not be hungry all the time for children, adults, and, and our elders is really impacts our health and our quality of life and our, our self-esteem and our ability to do things. And, um, you know, like the, the, we, we don't have access to proper health care. We don't have access to timely, adequate health care, and people are dying. You know, I you know I grew up in the 70s and the 80s, and I know relatives and friends that really shouldn't have died. They should not have died. They should have been diagnosed and properly treated, and they would be alive today. Um, and that's going on. You know, you know, even within the last 10 years, I can look around and I can I can I can name people, friends and relatives, people that I know, uh, you know, on the North Coast that that are no longer with us, but they should have they should be here today. And I see people who are being harmed by because they can't, there's no room on the flight. So they can't go out for their doctor's appointment. They can't go out for their treatment. They get bumped off and it has to be rescheduled. And this is before COVID. And this is going to be after COVID. We're in, we're, we have our own health care crisis that started a long time ago. And now we're being broken by the, the provincial-wide and the national-wide, you know, so when you look at that, and you want to talk about Labrador, Labrador as a whole, when for us all summer, you know, you hear about gas prices, all summer we are frozen, and they'll never say it uh, when they talk about the changes in gas price every Thursday. They'll never talk about the north coast of Labrador. We are frozen at $2.45.7 all summer. Right now when you look at it, we're paying 50 6.5 cents more than in St. John's. And it's not just it's not just my district. You know, I drove up I drove up um 
I had an ear infection, so I couldn't fly, so I, I needed to get home to my district. So I, I drove up, and, and I, I drove up the island, and I crossed, uh, you know, at straight, the straits there and drove into Labrador. But if you look at the gas prices on the tip of the island, the most northerly tip of the island, the province of Newfoundland, the Labrador of, of, of Newfoundland, right now in St. Anthony and, and Angli, Northern Peninsula, they're paying a dollar ninety-three cents a litre. Once you cross over into Labrador, the Straits, Red Bay, they're paying 42.6 cents more than St. Anthony. They're paying $2.35.6 cents a litre. So there's economic marginalization for all of Labrador, not just my district, you know. And for, for me, it, it's really, really difficult, you know, because colonialism is talked about in the past. Prejudice is talked about in the past. Harms done to Indigenous people are talked about in the past. But you just got to come up to my district and see that it's alive and well. Lila, we are up against a break here now on On Target, but we will pick up this conversation when we come back. Don't go away. Got plans for midnight? Bring your VOCM along with the best soundtrack for every night, anywhere. The VOCM All Night Show, midnight on your VOCM. And welcome back to On Target. Richard Duggan filling in for Linda Swain today. And on today's program, the focus is Labrador. And right now, my guest on the line is the NDP MHA for the Tornagat Mountains. That is Leela Evans. And Leela, this might be a bit of a loaded question, but you just outlined some uh, a lot of very, for a lot of people, harsh realities. Uh, you know, in talking about government and, and their response to truth and reconciliation, um, you you know, you mentioned the the apology at the beginning of uh, of what you were just saying. For you, w- what does real action look like from government on on these fronts? Like, like you can have the apologies and and all that stuff, but what what in your mind constitutes true truth and reconciliation in this case? Well, I I, I just want to say it's the MHA for Trongat Mountains, and it's not just the Inuit, uh, the Inuit communities who do have the Inu too, the Inu Napishish. And I was so I was so proud, you know, and it surprised me the pride that I felt. It just kind of filled me when I I was told that, like, the province hasn't apologized for the residential schools, but the Inu, the Inu, have said, and I and and I, and, I, and when I heard it, I was so proud. The Inu have said they will not accept an apology without real action, real reconciliation. So, like, you know, like to me, that's saying to the province, don't even bother, boys. Don't even bother until you start doing things that will actually change things. You know, you know, you, we've been harmed and it's affected generation after generation. Child growing to adult, having children, children, you know. And, and the worst thing about it is we're blamed. We're blamed for all that. You know, uh, and and the the people in the province of Newfoundland are starting to learn the real truth, and and like you know, government needs to wake up and say, okay, we can't get away with empty words anymore. We can't get away with superficial things because because media has changed, you know, and a lot of social media now puts you know puts the information out there, and you know, and and the reports that are done, you know, through the official media stay alive through social media. And, and, and like, let's look at real colonialism now, and, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I'll, I'll demonstrate it. 
for for people in the province they they don't really realize it you know they'll they'll say i'm exaggerating or i'm i'm just being selfish or self-serving or whatever but what a lot of people don't realize is, like, say, for example, in northern Labrador, you know, it have land claims that was negotiated. It's a legal, you know, it's an illegal um, agreement, uh, official land claims. And they negotiated their mineral rights. But what a lot of people don't realize, even though it's been in the media, the province tried to steal the rights and the royalties from the Nazi government, money that they needed for their services and for their people that was officially theirs through a legal legal uh, land claims agreement. And, and the Nazi government had to take the province to court. It's been, it's been in the media. And spend more than a million dollars fighting the, this government for what was theirs. And they finally won. And, you know, something, I, I mean, the province is still trying to challenge it. Like, that, like, you know, that's shameful. That's more shameful than having a building, your parliament building, called a colonial building. Because your practices are colonial. And it's, in 20, it's, it's 2022, you know. What about the freight boat? People keep hearing me talk about this freight boat. Lila, what's this freight boat? It was a way to get food from the island, and it benefited, you know, Newfoundland businesses on the island, where they were, you know, they would sell building materials and food to us, and it would come up on the boat to the north coast. And our food prices were still high. The cost was still high, right? But... The, the the provincial government removed that freight boat, and you know when when I went in after I got elected as a MHA, you know I was trying to get the freight boat back, and they said, well, Leela, you know that was agreed upon. Once the Trans Labrador Highway was nearing completion, and people had access to the Trans Labrador Highway, they would take off that freight boat. But you know something, every other community, marine, uh, you know, uh, um, um, that had access to the ocean. All those communities are connected by the Trans Labrador Highway, except my entire district that is all Indigenous communities. And in actual fact, you want to talk about colonialism. The Nazi government, who has an official land claims agreement, actually accused the provincial government of violating the land claims agreement. So this is another violation of land claims agreement. It's another way to marginalize, economic marginalization of our Inu and our Inu in Northern Labrador. Uh, you know, and, and it, it goes even it goes even further. Like we even look at the, the federal government. It was in the news. No one really paid attention about the shellfish quotas. You know, so like. For me, it's really difficult because it puts a Nunatsiva government who has their land claims agreement, they have to put up their own money to legally fight, you know, uh, being robbed. Because if they didn't fight, like, say, for example, uh, you know, with the, the royalties and the, uh, the mineral rights, if they didn't fight what they, they, they had negotiated and that they were awarded, they would lose it, you know. And so, like, who benefits? You know, who got the contract? Who got the contract for 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 this new service uh, uh, for for me in service of the Goose Bay, right? So like that's another thing. So we see these colonialistic policies continue over and over again, but it affects our ability to get over intergenerational trauma. It, it, it impacts our ability for people to actually be able to to help themselves. You know, like good quality health care where you're, you know, you're a healthy person, you, you know, your well-being, you know, your self-satisfaction, your self-worth, 
you know all of that stuff is impacted and where you know we can't grow we can't get past intergenerational trauma we don't want to wallowing it with it we're basically shoved down in it mm-hmm. and and for me as the mha you know every day is a good day because i help people every day is a hard draining emotionally crushing day because i have to see what my people in my district are facing and every day is a fight if you want to travel you have to be prepared to 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 fight to be able to get on that plane because there's not enough seats there's not enough flights people are being bumped off people are freight is moving charters are moving passengers and patients are not moving when you look at the boat, I don't know how many, you know, how many days I spent fighting these policies that prevents people from being able to travel. And, and really what's happening is it's impacting our physical, our mental uh, well-being. And, and so for me, having a building named Colonial Building is actually a truth because it symbolizes our poor history and also poor government policies going into the future. For me as the MHA, you know, I'm, 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 sometimes I get frightened. Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm almost hyperventilating because of the issues that are impacting people and it's people's lives. And on the island and in other parts of Labrador, people are going about their normal day and they don't realize what we're facing. They don't. Leela Evans, uh, we're up against a break here now, but uh, we some very strong sentiments there, and uh, we're going to pick up this conversation now when we come back from our final break of the day. Don't go away. Take a break. Join us weekdays from 1230 to 1 p.m. as we discuss anything and everything that's happening now. It's all on the table during your VOCM lunch break. And welcome back to On Target. Leela Evans is my guest this afternoon, one of a couple of guests that we had on this program today highlighting some issues up in Labrador. Uh, Leela Evans and NDP MHA for the Torngat Mountains and before the break uh, really a quite a sobering uh, some sobering words in there uh, talking about uh, the issues of you know colonialism and and some of the the long-standing issues that that people are facing up there uh, Leela I, I do want to touch on a couple more topics before we let you go for the day uh, sure. one of those is uh, of course uh, medical access up in Labrador and you touched on that before the break as well um, we keep hearing about uh, in the in recent months about the physician shortage and how that has been impacting and I know that here uh, on the island for example it, it, here in our newsroom we see these news releases come in every now and again from the various um, health authorities saying oh this emergency department's going to be closed for the because of the physician shortage one thing that I don't often see come in however releases from say Labrador Grenfell Health about the same issues uh, for Labrador so what are you hearing in terms of uh, physician access in Labrador well, I don't think they're putting out press releases because, first off, I don't think they really want people to know how bad the the situation is uh, in 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 all of Labrador, and also it's not news because we were already in a healthcare crisis before the pandemic, before this new healthcare crisis came out with the shortage of doctors all across all across the um, the country and and in in the province we always had a shortage of doctors you know uh, leading up to the pandemic I, you know it was almost 2 years before um 
you know, uh, that we, McCovic, the community of McCovic, didn't have their doctor visits that didn't come into the community of McCovic. And um, when I started raising it in the House of Assembly, you know, the doctor came in, came in, and I think they went out the next day or the, you know, or, or the same day. And, and when that was happening with the big crunch, with the shortage of doctors, uh, in, in my communities, my Indigenous communities, there's only health clinics. And what I'm facing now is is really alarming. Um, you know, if, if a person has a medical condition, you know, and is verified by the nurse and with consultation uh, to Labrador for Health uh, doctors and staff, uh, you know, and is confirmed that it is a, a medical situation where they have to go out, you know, to, to see a doctor or to have scans or have treatment. So that's been verified, that's been documented, and the consultation has happened. Now, when that person goes out, normally they would go out to see a doctor or go out for a scan. But what's happening now, there's a barrier there. If they can get on the plane, if they can get on the plane, if they can get on the plane to actually go out for their appointment, and they're not bumped off or they're not, it's not canceled and they got to reschedule for another three months, six months. If they can get on the flight and go into Goose Bay, they don't go in for their appointment. They don't go in for their scan. They go in and sit at emergency. Some of these are elders. Some of these are vulnerable people, you know, with all the COVID that's on the go and all the, you know, the, the medical conditions that's transmissible to other people. They have to go in and sit and emerge for five, seven, nine hours. Brutal, brutal. People with pains, people with aches sitting there. And this is after it's been verified that they have a serious medical condition where they have to actually go out to Goose Bay or to St. John's. But they have to go and sit and emerge to see a doctor. And then the doctor will refer them, even though it's been established. You know, I got a call from a family with, they had an elder, an elderly woman, you know, she had to go out. She went to Goose Bay. She sat and emerged, I think, for nine hours. She had her legs were really bad. She had, you know, a, a lot of problems. She had diabetes. She had, uh, you know, high blood pressure. She had other existing medical conditions. This senior elder had to sit and emerge for seven to nine hours. Anyway, she got her prescription. I got a call yesterday. I got a call, I think it was on Sunday, that she still hadn't had the prescription filled. Right? So I, as the MHA, I had to try and track down where her prescription was to try and help the family. And this was three weeks after her, her appointment. So, like, for me, is I'm the jack of all trades, you know. I wear many hats, and a lot of it is about trying to get, um, get some sort of help for people, whether they're trying to travel, whether they're patients, whether they're, you know, trying to access, you know, any kind of service. But on the North Coast, we didn't have a erosion of services. We didn't have an erosion of infrastructure. We never, ever got it, right? And, and the reason why this has been allowed to go on for so many years, so many decades, is because people in Newfoundland and Labrador do not come to my district. They don't see it. They don't see the hardships. And they don't really see the impact of past policies and the new policies that is affecting us, right? We're being robbed. We're being robbed. And at the base of that, 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 that being robbed is racism, racist practice. And people are not even aware of it. People in government don't even realize that what they're doing, what they're, their, their, their policies are racist 
sector impacting our, our you know, our culture, our 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 our, our well-being. And another topic too um, that 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 we've been hearing about uh, that has been really impacting people in in your district and and other areas of Labrador too um, is housing. Um, I know that er- earlier here on this program we spoke with Belinda Adams, mayor of uh, Labrador City, and she uh, was talking about the housing crisis that she described in in her town. So I mean, that's another issue too. Are, are you seeing? What are you hearing from people on that front? Well, okay, I'll speak on that, but I also want to bring up a, a little bit of history for the people in Newfoundland and Labrador so they'll, they'll understand a little bit more. Back when, you know, when I talk about relocation, you know, of Ocock, Newtok, and Hebron, when the people were forced to come, the Inuit were forced to come, you know, to these communities that were already in existence, they were putting in into small little houses, sometimes two or three families in a small house that would really not even adequately house one family. And they had no running water, no, 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 no toilet facilities, you know, and they had no place to hunt and fish because they were brought into existing communities where all the fishing birds and all the hunting areas were taken. And strong Inuit men and women, people with self-respect that looked after their families, that, that took care of their elders, they were broken. They were broken, and that was in the 60s. And if you look back to a lot of the problems on the North Coast now in the communities, you can trace the people back to this relocation. And in 2005, we were apologized to by the provincial government. There was an apology done. But really, the policies that followed after that apology did not help, did not help the communities, did not help the people that were suffering real intergenerational trauma. And you know something? People in this province should be ashamed of their government. You know, because but but they're not because they don't know the history. If I hadn't been, if I'm not on the radio t- saying this, they wouldn't know it. You know, and when you look at it, a lot of people have negative stereotypes of in of, of the Inu and the Inuit. You know, and uh, and and so for me, that's 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 real. The real hardship comes from. Let's talk about housing now. A building lot, a service building lot. You know, where you, you know, excavator goes in, basically clears the lot, puts in the water and sewer lines. Then, right, so the lot is ready to build a house. How much do you think a building lot in North Coast costs? $250,000 minimum. And when they took off their freight boat, it was going up. So it's probably even a lot more than that now. And that's where they were building the house, right? You go, you can, in St. John's, you can go in and buy a brand new, you know, not a brand new house, but you can buy a, a house for $250,000, probably a three-bedroom house, you know. Uh, now, for the building lot, now you want to build, a, you want to put a building on there, you put on a half-decent-sized house with two or three bedrooms, that's probably another $250,000, so you're looking at a half a million dollars for a house, you go into St. John's, you go into Cornwall, you go into Stephenville, you go into even into Goose Bay. What can you get for half a million dollars? Right? So really, people are priced out of housing on the North Coast. And I tell you, it relates back, it relates back to transportation of building materials and, and infrastructure. Right? Our, our access to infrastructure. 
So for me, it's almost like we're, you know, we should actually be in a different part of the world. We should, you know, it's like we're from a third world nation, but we're indigenous people. We are, our communities are indigenous, and that's why we're third world. And no one wants to know about it, no one wants to talk about it, because if it's exposed, they got to do something about it. And really, when, like for me, you know, when the Minister of Indigenous Affairs gets up and talks about reconciliation, and if she talks any more about those murals that they're putting in the House of Assembly, or if she talks any more about statues, you know, like that's, a, that, like, that's important. That's important symbols. But you can't eat symbols. You know, you can't. And, and, and how good are you going to feel looking at a beautiful mural if you have no self-worth? Because you can't feed your children, you can't house your children, you know? And l- another thing, too, no one is really talking about is where are we having an inquiry into the Innu children in care? Is because the Innu has been harmed by these CSSD policies, by these provincial government policies that did not help them get their children back, did not, there was no wraparound services. And in actual fact, it was basically just seize the children, take them out of the community. It's the same thing with the Inu, right? You know, and, and when you look at truth and reconciliation, what's that about? That's about the serious harm where nothing has really been done, you know, about, uh, about residential schools. And all the, you know, all the children on the North Coast who are now adults and grandparents, parents and grandparents and great-grandparents, they went to residential schools. They were seriously harmed. Even people, if you look at them, you talk to them, you know, on the surface, they're okay. But they got scars. You know, missing and murdered indigenous women and girls. What's that all about? It's about the murder and indigenous women and young girls that went missing. And was never investigated. It was allowed to go on for years and years. And also, too, is why were the why were they in places where they were put vulnerable? Is because the economic marginalizations of their communities, right? So for me, it, and it's still it's still going on. Now, some like a lot of people are just just leave to try to get a better life, and they end up in urban areas. They end up without the lack of support of family of, of systems, and a lot of times they're, they're worse off. And especially if they're suffering intergenerational trauma because they haven't had any help with it. So for us, and then you look at how our Nunatsiwa government is being treated, right? By trying to be cheated out of what they've negotiated in land claims in good faith. When you look at when you when you, when you when you know look at the things that you know I've talked about mineral rights and, and royalties, what's that about? That's basically about being able to care for your own people. But yet the provincial government, to their own greed, is is basically fighting them in court, fighting to try to take what they've 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 already uh, obtained, taking away the freight boat, right? Without without giving us road access, and I tell you another thing that's really shameful: without giving us road access, you know, when I started raising it, oh, all of a sudden they said they'll have a pre-feasibility study. They announced it one budget, next budget, nothing was done with that pre-feasibility study for giving us road access to the Trans-Labrador Highway. Nothing, but they renounced the money again as if it was new money, but nothing was done, and now the third budget, right? So really, really, when you look at it, it's a form of colonialism. Right, this is where still continue to be treated, and I'm not making it up. I'm not exaggerating. 
you know, and I'm just one person. I'm just the MHA for Torngat Mountains, you know, and, and uh, my, one of my biggest concern, concerns that really bothers me is that people are going to get tired of me talking about it because nothing is done. I have to keep raising it. And it's so important to the people and quality of life on the North Coast, so I have to keep raising it. And I'm so afraid that people are going to stop listening because they're tired of hearing about it. But really, what the government should should be doing is if you don't want me to talk about it, fix it. If you don't want me to continue to talk about it, help us, right? And to, to me, it's alarming. You know, like people in my district talk about separating. You know, I don't know where we're going to go, but you know something? I don't think we'd be worse off. For me, as MHA, as a part of this political government system, you know, I can't really, I struggle to disagree with them, you know. So for me, every day is a struggle, every day, right? Leela Evans, uh, unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there. Uh, We're out of time on today's program, but I really appreciate you coming on and highlighting a lot of these important issues. Yes, thank you very much, and I, I really appreciate the, uh, the opportunity to, to be able to tell my story and to tell the story of the people of the North Coast. We're all out of time on today's program. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk tomorrow.